This Monero Mateo video is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Safely store, send, receive, and trade your Monero on Cake Wallet on Android and iOS. All right, what is going on, everybody? Monero Mateo, welcome back. We're talking about Monero today, uh, and I know that's a relief to some of you guys because I know over the last couple of days we've talked a little bit about other things, climate change, Christ, privacy, freedom, and we've gotten a little bit philosophical and at times, and at times conspiratorial, which I know some of you love, but uh, yeah, we like to give honest takes here. I like to give you guys my honest thoughts because I've looked into a lot of things. I'm interested in a lot of things, so I hope that you don't mind that I like to explore different areas of conversation. So uh, I'm open to debate. I'm open to hear what you guys think about what we talk about here on the channel. And so if you disagree, please let me know. I'm not a minister of truth here, although I try to tell the truth the best that I can. So, um, you know, if you have new information for me to check out, I'm happy to look into it on any subject. So um, I hope that we can at least exercise the brain juices and make this channel a little bit more versatile, a little bit more interesting. So with that being said, I want to talk a little bit about China. I want to talk a little bit about what's been going on over there with the ban. Uh, a lot of people have been saying this is bullish Monero. A lot of people are saying this is bearish for all crypto because crypto is a network effect type of technology. It requires for everybody to be linked into this thing and more people being added on, more people using the network for the networks to have value. And if you have a significant portion of the population which cuts itself off from that, well, that could be problematic for the entire network or at least uh the viability of it in the future. And some people, of course, are saying, oh, well, it's the internet. You can't shut off the internet, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's not going to affect Bitcoin, of course, or crypto. But I think that it's a little bit more nuanced than that. And I want to look into that today. Um, I think it's going to look, Monero look really good because Monero has a lot of future prospects that are going to be very beneficial in environments like China. And I think that with Haveno, with atomic swaps, decentralized private exchanges, with your capacity to mine Monero on a laptop, and we'll get to that here again today, uh, you have a lot more capacity to be truly independent and sovereign with your finances, even if you have the regulatory apparatuses of the state coming against you, which is why we love Monero that much more than Bitcoin and some of these other cryptocurrencies, which are not private at all, which make it rather easy for crackdowns to occur, right? So let's get into the content. Uh, I hope that you guys like the video. If you do, click like and subscribe to the channel, share the video and check out the social media links and all that stuff. And by the way, I, I do want to give a shout out to our guys on Patreon. Um, I, I just looked at the Patreon today because we got a new subscriber over there. Ken, thanks for hopping on board, my brother. Um, and I, it looks like I was supposed to be giving shout outs to people who had signed up. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Ken, Josh. I should say Josh like five times because you've been signed up for a while. You're in one of the great tiers. Josh, I love you, brother. Shout out to you. And then shout out to uh, Stuart and Ken. So welcome, guys. Thank you for joining the Monero First community and supporting the channel. I really appreciate it. Go check out our stuff over there. We've got a couple articles. I'm working on a Dara report, working on some other things, right? So check it out. That said, let's get into the content. So first, I want to talk a little bit about Monero in China. Um, this was an interesting article that I found, which was written last year uh, in 2020. And it talks about Monero in China and it, the difference between the Chinese community and the community in the West. 
And I want to go over some things here because I think this is just overall pretty interesting. You know, what the Chinese people think about these freedom coins, right? So let's start here. The nature of interest. First, there is a projection from each community onto the other of what matters most to it. From my first work translating Monero articles for the Western community, I've been inundated with technology theory and philosophy. In contrast, as a freelance writer for the blockchain media in China, articles tend to be on price and mining. Westerners then tend to see Chinese as disproportionately motivated by theory and philosophy. The Chinese see Westerners as manipulating price and perversely impacting mining. And some of that has to do with the degradation of the West, right? And we've talked about that a little bit here on the channel where there's so many people who are so uh, obsessed with the price. And I talk, I call these people crypto coomers now. <laughs> That's the new name that we have for them, like the people who just care about pumping prices and uh, you know, getting that dopamine hit when they see their wallet refresh and their gains going up. Like... The Chinese are focused on theory and philosophy, it looks like. And, you know, they're higher IQ. Uh, they're pretty smart people over there. And, um, you know, they are culturally stronger. Um, they have more of a value set than we do over in the West. And so we can get easily carried away with things like gains, which is possibly why Monero isn't a top five coin, which it should be. Um, part of that also has to do with our bad marketing. And I, somebody had commented on one of our YouTube channels. I forgot who you are, but you know who you are if you're watching this, where they said, uh, you know, Monero's marketing is bad when they say, don't mind Monero as part of a marketing scheme. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And I looked it up. People were literally putting stickers all over the place saying don't buy Monero as like a joke. But like, it's like, dude, oh, <laughs> you can't you can't go spurgy like that with the marketing. OK, like that's not going to catch people like especially when you put like a surveillance camera on there. <laughs> it's just like people are going to be like, oh, don't buy Monero surveillance camera. OK, see ya. <laughs> So we need to market a little bit better. Uh, but yes, yes, one of the reasons is because we are focused on gains. That's why Dogecoin is moving up higher. Uh, that's why uh, Shibu Dogecoin and some of these other uh, shill coins are kind of moving above Monero because, you know, a lot of people aren't seeing a lot of price action with Monero. And we're going to talk with hopefully Kevin Watt tomorrow. He's talked a little bit about how there's manipulation going on in Binance in regards to the price for Monero. Apparently, they're selling more Monero than they actually have, creating sort of like the same situation you have in the gold and silver markets with paper derivatives. You know, you've got like 250 paper ounces for each ounce of real stuff that's out there. And so, you know, naked shorting and things like this, which is artificially pushing the price down. And you saw Chris Sky saying that interviews, saying that uh, the only way they can really control Monero is to you know, suppress the price and have people get disinterested in it. And that can happen because you have Westerners so influenced by the price, right? So that's just something interesting to point out. Um, that's why, again, we talk about Christ on the channel. We need to improve our, mor our moral, ethical basis, and then Monero may make more sense to people. Um, but when it's just about gains of being degenerate and trading cum rocket, right, <laughs> it's not going to look that attractive, which is another reason why PyroChain is interesting. You know, PyroChain could maybe beat Monero because of all the marketing that they, they do. So just an interesting note. Um, I still love Monero most, guys. Trust me. I love Monero most. Monero first. Chinese pride themselves on being open and back to the article. And really, we are less private than Americans and Europeans. Um, so that's interesting. They're less private than Americans and Europeans. And I imagine that's because they live rather close together. There are more communal people over there, which is partially why they struggle with communism, I think. But 
Uh, that is interesting to note. So maybe there's not going to be as much demand over there uh, because they're very hierarchically oriented. They listen to the government more than we do here in the United States. We have a culture of rebellion here in the United States, not so much in China. You listen to what the government tells you for the most part. Uh, it's just part of their culture. Privacy is not that big a deal to them. It is common to share salary and personal spending information, for example. That's interesting. I didn't know that. And I believe this comes historically from fewer secrets being kept in extended families in China. Westerners, on the other hand, are more concerned with social issues. Right. That, so that's pretty interesting. That is pretty interesting. Um, so here we go. Uh, Western enthusiasts tend to think of the Chinese Monero community as small. Seemingly, there are few openly Chinese enthusiasts known on Reddit, Telegram, or other platforms. And most of them online, or most of the online guys with mysterious handles seem explicitly Western. Uh, so it could be you know, people from the West speaking Chinese to try to evangelize over there. Well, it turns out that the Chinese Monero community is large. Well, this is good. And I would argue that our number is actually comparable to that of Western enthusiasts. That is cool. Very cool. So there's a Monero community in China who value privacy. Maybe they're not so fond of the CCP and they want to have some underground railroad of financial communication going on financial transactions beyond my subjective impression and by the way the chinese are probably smart they probably knew this crackdown was coming so we can only hope that a lot of people built an infrastructure kind of like what we're trying to do here because we on this channel we're ahead of the curve we see what's coming and we want to make an alternative parallel economic system and infrastructure that makes it so when they invariably do go after crypto because i think that's inevitable when they start to roll out their uh, central bank digital currency. We've got to have our own infra infrastructure set up. And I think that Monero can outlast the competition when that pressure comes down. Because when that pressure comes down, most of these coins just aren't going to make it. But I think Monero can take the pressure. I think Monero is able to outlast the opposition. And so that's why we are, I think, ahead of the curve and early on this stuff. Uh, beyond my subjective impression, Research supports this. A search for XMR among QQ groups, one of the favorite discussion methods in China, yield about 18,000 subscribers. Okay, so that's good. That is good. Uh, yeah, so there are some high-quality reporters talking about Monero in China. That's good. Yet, despite these efforts and individuals, among others, the organization of, of Monero enthusiasts in China is a mess. We look longingly outside where there is uh, GetMonero.org, Monero Outreach, and other official and semi-official websites and people. Yes, I know there is nothing formally official for Monero in China. Well, now there's not going to be because it's illegal. So, uh, again, this is why you need the underground networks. Also, this is important to uh, in regards to maybe something like the Conceal Network, maybe something like Oxen, which has a private messaging app like sessions um that we got to make videos on that those are more obscure topics but i think private messaging apps are going to be key and telegram by the way is not a private messaging app i think just about everything on there is track and trace so doubt and worry okay so westerners may worry that the inventor of bitcoin satoshi nakamoto was the government <laughs> i mean we've entertained that idea a little bit here on the channel um, could be possible. Could have been a psyop to soften the population to the crypto takeover, right? Um, or that some altcoin is a scam. With Monero, Westerners may have technical worries related to traceability. Chinese, on the other hand, worry that Monero is an invention of the West to take money for the Chinese. That is so funny. 
Yeah. We have conspiracy theories that way. Yeah, so why wouldn't you be skeptical of the West with all the financial chicanery that we get away with here? It makes sense. I totally get it. Uh, And everything that's happened over the last year doesn't help that matter, but we all hope for a bright future for cryptocurrency and Monero. And he makes recommendations here as to how Monero could be better adopted by the Chinese. So here's one thing that I don't know if anyone's done work on this, but this is an important consideration, especially now, uh, as we're about to get into. Uh, the Chineseization of the wallet should consider two matters. First, the Chinese version of the wallet should be thoroughly translated, and second, the wallet should be placed in the Chinese app store so that the Chinese can easily download it from their mobile phones. Now, I don't know what wallets are going to be doing that now. That's something that I speculated about. If they come down on crypto, which they have done, well, uh, are you going to be able to go into the App Store and get a crypto wallet? Or are they going to be outlawed, right? I mean, I think that is uh, something to look into. I don't know that information. I don't know what's going on in China other than what we hear. The Chinese are pretty... Uh, careful with the information they get out there, which is why you have popular channels like China Uncensored, and you know you've got this thing in economics like the Chinese Beige Book, which has the real Chinese economic data because they lie about their economic data, they lie about their gold holdings, they're very obscure with their information, so it's hard to figure out some of this stuff. But I think that, um, yeah, they're going to come down on the App Store and crypto wallets, which again, makes it important for people to establish virtual private servers over there to maybe get access to the U.S. app store and then download the wallet over there. But are you going to be able to get a Chinese version? And if you can't, well, that's not going to make it easy for mass adoption. So just things to think about there. I hope that developers can support Chinese improvements and improve Chinese Monero wallets. Yeah. Advanced Monero and Chinese mainstream media. That's not going to happen. It's banned. Yep. Establish high-quality Monero social circles in China. Well, they're going to get busted. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff should have been done a lot sooner, but at the same time, you know, you got to deal with what you got. Um, Now we're anticipating this stuff in the States, and we should anticipate this stuff in the States because what I'm starting to see is that you have a trend start in China, like with lockdowns or social credit or something like this, that trend moves to Europe and Australia and Canada. Canada is very European in their social policies up there. And then it makes its way lastly to the United States. I imagine it makes its way lastly to the United States because, again, we have a culture of rebellion. And in terms of the lockdowns, yeah, we've got like 400 million guns. So don't try that, elites. Don't try that. Please don't try that. And I'm not making any kind of statements here which are endorsing the breaking of law or anything like this. Just a disclaimer. But please... Uh, don't try that. And then, uh, yes, we are more outspoken. Although, to tell you the truth, I've been looking at the protests that are going on all over the world, in Australia and in Canada and Europe. We don't have any protests going on here in the United States about these uh, passports. But that has nothing to do with this conversation, so let's skip that. Fifth, strengthen the exchanges between Chinese and Western communities. Uh, well... Yeah, the Chinese will probably be a little skeptical of that. But yeah, that's interesting, right? That's just something, uh, that's some good backdrop for the conversation we're about to have. So I asked on Twitter, I said, does anyone know how Chinese citizens could have access to a Monero wallet? Would they need to run their own node? I imagine crypto wallets are pretty much de facto outlawed at this point. And then Addison Adams, thank you so much for 
uh, giving me this info, brother. He said they would not need to run their own node, and doing so would flag the state's network officials if all traffic was being ran through a sniffer wire sniffer like Wireshark. They could run a wallet on a VPS, a virtual private server, host in the USA or elsewhere. Um, yeah, so they would need to run a virtual private server, host it in another country, and he makes the recommendation to actually host it in Switzerland uh, because he says down here, let's see, he says down here that uh, the VPS, the virtual private server, may be subjected to subpoena if hosted in a country that does not value or enforce data privacy laws. That said, a host may be obligated to give up this data against their values. And so I had asked, I said, uh, what countries would you be most concerned about? And he said, I feel any totalitarian state would not be a great place to host. Switzerland would be a wise choice. Any nation that is part of the 14 Eyes Agreement should not use or should not be used for Monero wallet hosting. Hosting a wallet on a virtual private server also raises concerns from cyber attacks. Uh, hard in the box. So that's that's really interesting. So let me show you guys what he's talking about here with the 14 Eyes Agreement. I thought this was fascinating. I didn't know about this. Maybe you do, but uh, it's an intelligence agreement between all of these countries. The Five Eyes and Fourteen Eyes are two alliances of five and fourteen countries, respectfully, that agree to share information with one another whenever it is mutually beneficial. Um, and it was made during the Cold War. So this is often talked about in inter internet privacy circles because the speculation is, and I think we saw this with Trump a little bit, but... It looks like what one country is able to do if they have suspicions about one of their own citizens is go to another country like uh, Great Britain or Australia or any of these countries here. You know, we've got Canada, uh, Denmark, Netherlands, France, Norway, Germany, Belgium, Spain, Sweden, and Italy. They can maybe go to any of those countries and say, hey, we're worried about one of these guys. Would you mind, uh, you know, looking into them? Because we legally can't because of the Fourth Amendment. So maybe they ask someone from one of these other countries who's not bound by our Constitution to do the work for the intelligence agency of that country. So that's something that he, I think, is speculative about. And so if you get a subpoena from maybe China or one of these other countries, then it could be that you could be uh, outed. Right, that information turned over. So he suggests not setting up a server in one of these countries. Israel, Japan, South Korea, Singapore. Yeah. Yeah, so this is interesting, right? The reason the 14 Eyes Alliance is such a problem is that it allows governments to spy on their own citizens by using other countries as a proxy. Uh, for example, the U.S. intelligence agencies may not be able to legally spy on their own citizens, but they may ask another member's intelligence service to spy on U.S. citizens for them and feed them information. So, yeah, that was pretty eye-opening to me. Uh, after Edward Snowden, I don't think anyone can deny that uh, countries spy on their own citizens and alliances like this make it even harder to prevent that from happening. So, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. 
So this is interesting. How to, how to avoid the 14 eyes surveillance. Now, if you want to avoid being spied on, you can use VPN service providers to help protect your communications while you're online. I think that's smart. However, if your VPN service provider is in one of the countries that is associated with the 14 eyes alliance, then you would still be at risk of having your information shared with your local government. So it's important to choose a service provider whose headquarters are not located in any of the aforementioned countries so that they're less likely to leak the information which is why Switzerland is important. Uh, important to note that other superpowers such as Russia and China have their own intelligence programs. So just because it's not on this list doesn't mean it's not being looked into. And, you know, there are always uh, communications going on behind the scenes, deals being made behind the scenes. And I imagine that because all of these nations are rolling out their own central bank digital currencies, they could actually form an alliance to help each other crack down on the usage of cryptocurrency because they understand network effects. They understand how uh, crypto is sort of like, you know, a metastasizing cancer to them. The more people build these networks, the more people build these parallel economies, the more that they could like grow and take on a kind of, uh, you know, exponential curve if they reach past a certain point. So, you know, they may help each other squelch that out, out of risk that cancerous, freedom movement i guess you could say could make its way over to china if it blows up enough you know and that's sort of what you saw last year with them closing down travel with them working together on you know finding out well actually that didn't happen china covered a lot of that stuff up but how does the bug got out and who is infected with this stuff and you know that's that's interesting stuff they're probably more scared of this stuff than the bug, honestly, or at least they will be when they roll out the CBDC. So that's some interesting stuff right there. And then he said, uh, what's the other comment? Yeah, so this is key. Cake Wallet, rock on, allows you to use remote nodes and the default nodes are spread throughout the globe as to allow speedy access on chain. So you can use remote nodes. You don't need to set up a node yourself. Although I think that if you want to mine Monero, you've got to have a full node or you've got to have some partial node. You, you need to have a trimmed node or a, uh, uh, there's some other word for it, but you need to have some kind of node set up. Now, if you were to do that, he recommends using a virtual private server, but also you should use a VPN to get into a virtual private server. And from what I read, that's kind of overkill, but he suggests that is the case because you're doing stuff which is not seen uh, positively by the state, right? So that is very interesting stuff. Addison, thank you for that information. I appreciate it. Uh, so Cake Wallet is key. You can get Cake Wallet. And guys, I think that even if you're not into Monero yet, go ahead and download Cake Wallet. Go ahead and download uh, the infrastructure necessary for that if they do crack down, you can have it so that if they go to ban it from the app stores, if they go to do these other things which make it more difficult to get onboarded to the infrastructure, you could already have the infrastructure and then you could still have a higher capacity than you would otherwise to become part of the parallel economic system, which I think is going to be very necessary here in the future. So that is something to note. Now, what is a remote node? A node that doesn't run on the same local machine where the Monero wallet is located is called a remote node. Uh, a private remote node doesn't run on your local machine. 
but you have full control over it. A classic example is a node running on a VPS server. That node is not running on your local machine, but you still have full control over it. Yes, so you're not going to have the node located necessarily in China if you're a Chinese citizen. You could have it running in Switzerland, but you still have control over it, which is cool, which is cool. And then there's more detail here if you want to check that out. So pretty interesting stuff, pretty interesting stuff. Now, here we're going to talk about our bullish case for Monero. Now, uh, I think it's really cool that you can mine Monero on a laptop. Now, there have been some arguments against why that's viable because, you know, it's not that profitable. Uh, it's tough on your laptop and your computer. And the depreciation itself on your laptop that you use to mine Monero is actually perhaps more costly than the Monero that you're getting. And so there's some arguments with that, especially as we're about to go into tail emission. The argument is, well, what's the profitability of mining Monero? But if you're in a technocratic, panopticonical, tyrannical system uh, like these Chinese citizens under the CCP, well, then it could be worth paying the price to mine Monero because what other way are you going to get it, right? Unless you're providing services to Westerners and you're saying, hey, send me Monero or something like this. Uh, it could be worth the cost. It could be worth the price. And so that capacity for you to actually access cryptocurrency without having to get all these rigs, which they probably regulate in China, you're probably put on like a list, like these people who go to CVS and buy Sudafed, right? Uh, if you go to buy an ASICS um, from wherever you buy it in China, again, I'm not too knowledgeable about that, but you don't really show up on any radars if you're mining in China, assuming that you have VPN, you've got your security OPSEC uh, straightened out. And I'm not suggesting, again, anyone break the law or do anything illegal. I'm just saying that this is kind of what I'm thinking about this stuff. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Major cryptocurrency exchanges stop letting Chinese users sign up after Beijing's renewed crackdown. So it's bullish because you can mine Monero on your laptop, which means you don't have to have access to exchanges, which is great. You're not going to get much Monero, but it's still a way for you to start getting it. And maybe you buy a bunch of laptops, maybe you work with other people in your community to set up uh, these systems right? Um, tip each other in Monero? I don't know. But this is great for Haveno, which is coming out at some point, I hope, uh, in the next year or so. Uh, we don't have much time, guys. Developers, the world's on your shoulders, right? But I think that because these exchanges are being knocked out, and the exchanges already in the United States are becoming ever more centralized, and they're operating ever more like banks, and I think that Coinbase came out with something today where you could actually upload a check, which is written to you, to Coinbase, your account directly. And so they're becoming more like banks. They're becoming very uh, regulated. Coinbase is making deals with Secret Service, with uh, the IRS. And I think that they're being very much integrated into what we already have, which is a fascist system, a merger of corporate state powers together. And so, yes, it could be turned against you. You're not going to want to have exposure to these exchanges, in my opinion, if you have viable alternatives. And so that's going to make Haveno look really good. Now, what is Haveno? Uh, Haveno is a fork of BISC. Now, BISC was a peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin exchange. So the way it worked was you go on BISC and you make it so that you do an exchange with somebody else perhaps across the world, uh, for one cryptocurrency to another. 
And so there's no centralized entity facilitating the flow of these cryptos. And uh, yeah, so you can transact peer-to-peer with people. So that's basically what I'm trying to say. Let's see here. Um, and then Havana is a fork of that. Instead of using Bitcoin as the base layer currency, it's using Monero, which means it'll be totally private by default. And because BISC has had some privacy issues, which we'll get to here, um, like Monero just looks that much better. And it's going to bring a lot of liquidity to Monero. First off, let me just see if there's anything else I wanted to point out here. Yeah, and they're working with people to track all this stuff, just so you know. I think they're working with Chainalysis. I wouldn't be surprised to track the Chinese citizens, make sure that they're not operating on Bitcoin. But you could look into that, and you could probably imagine that's the case. They have their own blockchain analytics firm. So um, why a new platform? What are the key differences compared to BISC? Havana is a fork of BISC and share some of its strengths, like censorship-resistant thanks to the absence of a central server. It is a peer-to-peer network. It is non-custodial. The user has control over their wallet, which if you are using a centralized exchange like Coinbase, uh, they have your private keys. And so it is custodial. They own your crypto, basically, until you decide to take it out. Uh, And it's built on Tor, which means there is privacy involved already. But as we'll get to, there are some flaws to that. Havana is privacy-focused. BISC doesn't offer strong privacy to its users and have had multiple problems, which resulted in their users' privacy being compromised. Because Bitcoin's lack of fungibility and privacy properties, every transaction and address on the Bitcoin blockchain are easily traceable. So, I mean, if we go into this brave new world and more countries start to take on this Chinese uh, regulatory initiative to ban crypto, which is not in alignment with their central bank digital currency uh, uh, initiatives, then they are going to be able to easily find out who's using the crypto easily. And we talked about this in a different video. I'm going to make a separate video on this, but it was uh, in the news recently that Chainalysis was using a website called Wallet Explorer to siphon off and scrape people's IP addresses and then associate those IP addresses with people's wallets. Now, if you're in China, I imagine that the internet service providers already have a pretty close relationship with the government, and so they're able to see what people are using the internet for, uh, which is why I think that they can block certain websites and make sure that people aren't going to these websites or finding ways to get to the websites. Uh, But with Bitcoin, if they have your IP address and they're able to link that to your wallet, well, they're going to be able to see you using it. And so that's problematic. Uh, anyone can check who a Bitcoin user transacted to and the amount of the transaction. This design flaw has allowed and empowered blockchain surveillance companies, which make Bitcoin's blockchain a surveillance paradise and a privacy nightmare. Uh, that's correct. And it's unfortunate this isn't out yet. And there was an interesting comment by Adam Back, and some of you may have saw our tweet about this, but he had said that the most valuable Bitcoin is the Bitcoin that nobody knows you have. And it's just like, bro, you ever hear of Monero? Is that on your radar, Adam? Uh, Supposedly, the Satoshi Nakamoto of Bitcoin, that's what people think he is. I don't know. But yeah, he's got to have a few bags of Monero, in my opinion, Uh, because it's true. I mean, you don't want your wealth to be known by anybody. And then him saying that introduces the fungibility problem 
like right to the open. Like he says that certain Bitcoins are more valuable than others, which shouldn't be the case with any currency at all. But he says, oh, well, the ones that are more private are more valuable. And, you know, if people know you have the Bitcoin. Well, that's not great. Yeah, we agree, Adam. <laughs> so you should buy Monero. Tell everybody about the glory of Monero. It's trivial to identify back to the Oracle on the Bitcoin blockchain, which transactions come from the BISC exchange. This compromises the privacy of BISC traders. Now, I don't know how that's going to uh, I don't know how that's going to change when they come out with Taproot. I hear Taproot's going to make all transactions look like other transactions. Uh, but uh, I'd need to learn a little bit more about that. The BSQ token is a huge privacy concern. When used to pay transaction fees on BISC, it makes it possible to link a transaction with a specific BISC user. A recent paper demonstrated that it's possible to, tr to track BISC contributors participating to the DAO and de-anonymize them. Uh, BISC's trading history is public, uh, and you know dates and traded amounts are there. And so if authorities are able to figure out people's wallets and their activity on BISC, well, they can figure out their tax liability. They can figure out things like this. We found and disclosed a very bad vulnerability in BISC which until dis its discovery had allowed malicious actors to harvest payment info like bank accounts, names, and potentially home addresses of BISC users. No, right, and if that were to happen in China, you'd be dead. You'd be a dead dog. <laughs> they would figure you out and they'd find you. And then you'd end up uh, in Xinjiang, right? Uh, and so that's not great. And so with Haveno fixing these issues... um. That's going to make it actually possible for people in places like China, in my opinion, if you're using the VPN, VPS. It's going to make it possible, I think, for you to uh, get involved in the markets. Now, the question then becomes, how do you get your... Because you're not going to be able to, in my opinion, exchange your digital yuan for these currencies. I don't think that's going to be able to happen. Um, if it can, that'd be great. Now, they're going to introduce atomic swaps with this stuff, uh, let's see. I think that was part of their agenda. Let's go down here. Yes, yeah, so they said, yes, Woodseer is already working on implementing atomic swaps for XMR. Bitcoin trades are on Havana. But here's my question, and this is an open question to everybody. Let me know your thoughts on this. Or, But if you are able to uh, get onto Havana, how would you be able to get the Bitcoin in somewhere like China? How would you be able to get your fiat onto there. So that's a question that I have. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that, my people in China, which is why if you could set up, uh, you know, a mining operation, and if you could do that, that'd be one way that you could get Monero coming in. But the question would then be, okay, how do you get onto the exchange? And I, I'm imagining something like local Monero would be very integral in China. But then again, in China, you've got like, you know, facial recognition cameras everywhere. They've got social credit tied into that stuff. And so it's a total surveillance state. It, so that is a question that I have. I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. That's one big hole in this thesis that I have, that Monero is going to be very bullish in China. How do you get on the ramp so that you could get to something like Haveno? Uh, that is a question that I have. But Havana's coming, and Havana's awesome. So if you figure out a way, Chinese people, to get to Havana, when it comes out, well, it's going to be a saving grace. 
That is going to be a saving grace. And they're working on multi-sigs. It's going to be faster than BISC. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be simpler, which is great. We love it. And I'd love to have somebody from the Havana community on to talk to us about this wonderful project. So if there's anyone out there listening to this who knows somebody in the Havana community, please get in contact with them and let them know we want to talk. And yeah, they're working on a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in the pipeline. This is wonderful. More developments in the Monero community for decentralized mining pools. And I imagine that makes it more private than it already is, which is great. Atomic swaps are coming. And so, yeah, here's one comment on people in China getting Monero. It seems like mining and P2P are the only options, as we talked about. But how do you get to P2P if you don't have a crypto to begin with? You just have fiat, which is my question. But mining does seem to be one way you can do it. I imagine P2P will be more difficult now as they start adding penalties for people selling Monero. Yeah. And this guy asked, well, if the Chinese people obtain Monero, what would they spend it on? Well, that's for people in the free market to figure out. They can use it to pay for online service privately. Ugh, wow, I bought that. Pay for online services privately. They can use it for black market goods. I know nothing about the black market in China. I don't know how that works. Well, I imagine that would be a little bit more sketchy than here in the United States or anywhere else. Uh, so yeah, there's some questions outstanding about that. Now here's one thing which is bearish for the thesis on mining your Monero in China. As far as I'm concerned, where are we at? 36. Oh, yeah, a few more minutes here. Uh, power cuts hit homes in Northeast China. There's a huge electricity problem in China. Uh, they are having energy issues, sort of like Europe, except they're more reliant on coal. Europe is reliant on Russian and Eastern natural gas, which they're not apparently getting enough of because they thought they could just cut themselves off from natural gas and everything would be okay with wind turbines and solar. That theory has not turned out to be the case. So now they're having trouble, and we talked about that in yesterday's video, so go check that out. Uh, but they are experiencing unannounced power cuts, right? And so just imagine this, guys. As we talked about yesterday, store of value. You want to have some gold and silver backup. You want to have some real stuff. Commodities would be good. Land would be great. Um, because if you get an unannounced power cut, well, how are you going to access your crypto? How are you going to access that store of value? As an electricity shortage, which initially hit factories, spread to homes, so it's hitting the factories too. Uh, provinces have complained on social media about the lack of heating. Well, how are you getting on social media without your electricity? That's a question that I have. And lifts and traffic lights not working. Uh, yeah, so this stuff could happen. Highly dependent on coal. Uh, one power company said it expected the power cuts to last until next spring. Oh my goodness. And that expected out unexpected outages would become the new normal. Wow. So how's that going to work with your digital yuan, uh, G? Just a question that I have for you. The energy shortages, energy shortages at first affected manufacturers across the country. So, yeah, you can just read into this stuff. Massive energy shortages in China. So that is problematic if you want to adopt crypto of any kind, much less the Monero, the beloved Monero. Yes, yeah, so this is a little bit more about the ban. If you want to read into this, 
crackdowns on exchanges and institutions involved in crypto mining. The PBOC has announced a complete ban on cryptocurrency trading. So you can't use it as a currency. Uh, and here we go. This is interesting. PBOC reveals active monitoring online and offline, full chain tracking, and full-time information backup of mining and exchange transactions. Yeah, so they're going all out on the surveillance to make sure people aren't using this stuff. So your only hope is Monero. Your only hope is Monero. So, yeah, that's about it, guys. Do I have anything else? Yeah, and you could maybe expect this to come to the United States. Let me just finish with this. This is from HR 4741 and Decentralized Law. Wesley over on this form has done a great job uh, laying out the dangers in this new bill. And if this passes, then December 31st, 2023, something like this, you would have essentially the banning of privacy coins, the banning of Bitcoin mixers and anonymizing services. And crypto in general, I imagine, would be somehow thrown into this or at least they'd be classified as securities. They're going to make it very difficult. Let's just put it this way. For you to enjoy cryptocurrency the way that you've been able to enjoy it the last 10 years. And you should have seen this coming. We should have seen this coming. Everybody's just high on the gains and they didn't want to build the necessary infrastructure necessary uh to take this assault on and everyone should have seen this coming but everyone's still coping everyone's still in this cope phase they're like oh well do you want to miss out on the great new innovation of crypto well the united states is not going to miss out on that okay like 81 of the top 100 countries or companies in the united states are using blockchain already like a lot of people are measuring the adoption of crypto in terms of the adoption of bitcoin that's not the right way to look at it Blockchain is being integrated all over the world. Bitcoin, that's the question. Will Bitcoin be adopted all over the world? Because I imagine that their plan is to roll out blockchain uh, and to then roll out the central bank digital currency to make that interoperable with all the blockchains and then to roll out the international tax system, which will be embedded into computer code, which, was, which will then be interoperable with the central bank digital currency, which will be interoperable with all the blockchains we just talked about. And then you'll be in the new crypto world order. And then you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be like, what, what just happened? <laughs> like, how did we get here? I thought I was going to be rich. I thought I was going to be free. Now I'm poor. And now I'm more enslaved than I've ever uh, imagined I would be. And so that is sort of why we want to build these particular networks with Monero. Like that, that's why this is so important guys. So I hope that, uh, People wake up to this stuff. I hope that people understand what's coming and realize the need to build parallel economies with Monero and why it is you should also have backup in gold and silver. The OG private money, uh, which has a lot of room to run, by the way. We'll make another follow-up video on that. Go check out our gold manipulation video. It's been manipulated to the downside. as a lot of upside once that breaks, if it breaks. I mean, I hope it does. Who knows how much power they have over this stuff. But... That is it for this video, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you guys enjoy the fact that we talked about Monero more today. I hope you guys enjoy the fact that we didn't uh, talk too much about controversial subjects and we were able to focus on the crypto of choice here on the channel, Monero. And yes, I hope that you guys got some value from this. So that's about it. I'm tired already in this day. I need to go pray. I need to go to church. So with that said... 
Uh, enjoy your day as well. And tune in tomorrow. Hopefully we will have more content for you there regarding an interview that I want to do with a good friend of ours. Uh, and I think we'll have some interesting things to talk about. So guys, Manero Mateo, check out the links below. Become a patron. Donate to the addresses below and help us support this operation to make Monero first, to move freedom and liberty forward. So that is it, guys. Love you a lot. God bless.